Hi, Black Hollywood Live fans. Today, we are talking OJ, Judge Judy, and plans for massive overhauls in Ferguson. So much more. Stick with us on Justice is Served. You are tuned in to Black Hollywood Lives. Justice is Served. Hello and welcome to Black Hollywood Lives. Justice is Served, where we discuss the legal news of the week. Every single week, my name is Chelsea Galicia and I am joined by my co-host, Shaka Smith. Good to be back with you. Uh, we've got some... Uh, Big, not so big update on the OJ story. And at first I was like, what is this OJ in the news about? I've been gone in the jungle for about a week. Yeah. And uh, you talked about this last week, and this uh, is sort of just a, a disappointing update, yeah. at least. Um, I think so. Well, yeah, the knife that they found that had been kept by the uh, the officer for 20-odd years. So this is, so catch me up here, see if yeah. I've got the story right. So a construction worker, I understand, in like 1998-ish or so, at OJ's Rockingham Estate, which is where he lived at the time of the murders. Yeah, they were doing some demolishing, and they find this rusted knife. Um, at this point, he runs out, he tells the traffic cop about it, and the traffic cop... I saw this part. It was only in L.A., right? Because yeah. across the street, they were, like, filming a movie. Exactly. And so there was a retired officer yeah. who was serving as private security for the movie set. Yeah. So this construction worker... So, yeah, he gives it to the cop um, who's just off-duty. He's in, in this capacity working for the movie. And this officer keeps the knife and eventually retires. He reports, ha he reports having told a supervisor, and the supervisor told him, don't worry about it, the case is over. Um, and then he kept the knife, and now he called in recently to um, one of the precincts to figure out the case name or the case number, because he wanted to place the knife and engrave the knife and put it somewhere kind of weird, but that's what he wanted to do. So uh, a version of the stories that I saw said that the officer at the time, or actually by the time he was uh, given the knife, he was already retired, I thought. And then he called the West L.A. LAPD division and said, I've got this knife, it's rusty, it's muddy, um, but it was found on OJ's property. What do you want me to do with it? And somebody talked to somebody who talked to somebody who said, really, we, it doesn't matter to us, we don't need it, the case is closed, OJ's been acquitted, and because of double jeopardy, it's pretty much useless. Double jeopardy meaning the fact that once you've been acquitted of a crime... You cannot you, be retried. Right. So that's why the guy said he just held on to it for like 15 years. Yeah. And then he wanted to like create some memorabilia out of it, called up a buddy to see how to get the case number. And that buddy then was like, wait a minute here. Yeah, let's happening? test this. Yeah. And so, you know, um, after the tests have reported no DNA, there was not enough of anything to be... Um, found on the knife. So do you think this means that there wasn't anything or because so much time has gone by? Well, yeah, they're saying so much time had gone by, it was degraded. So there right, wasn't it was in the soil to, yeah. and it was, yeah, I guess there's microbes and all sorts of things in yeah. the soil that can eat away at DNA if it was there. Yeah, and we don't even know if it was OJ's knife or another person passed by. Like, you know, there a lot of time had passed, so who knows. But the mystery of the knife, um, it's I guess, like a big will womp, remain. Womp. Right? <laughs> yeah. All right. But it coincided nicely with the series American Crime Story, so I wonder if there was any. Um, who knows? Like a renewed interest in it has brought this back into. Oh, or maybe some nefarious plan to kind of generate some interest into uh, the series. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, where is the series right now that you're covering it? Um, yeah, we just finished episode seven. We air uh, Tuesday at uh, ten o'clock here on After on After Buzz. 
Awesome. All right. So let's go on to a completely unrelated, no exes potentially murdering each other. But talking about Kevin and Maria, let me explain why. Have you ever been curious about a celebrity <laughs> boyfriend's midlife crisis? Kevin's going through a midlife crisis. Oh, I poor know. thing. All right. Do you enjoy hearing stories about behind the scenes of Hollywood? Who doesn't? I mean, it's pretty much everyone's guilty pleasure, right? And are you amused by old TV and movie references? If so, then you'll love The Tomorrow Show with Kevin Undergaro. Join AfterBuzz creator. Yeah, the guy who gave us everything we've got right here. Thank yeah. you so much, Kevin. So join him. And Maria, who is Maria Menounos' fiance now, yeah, just as yeah. of last week, I read this as I was Came literally back to la- the good news. No, I was laying in a hammock somewhere when I <laughs> randomly got Wi-Fi, and I was like, "What is going on around here?" I got to talk to Kevin about that. That's a good problem. There man. must have been something in the cookbook that she's just released yeah, that they, perhaps yeah, made him pop the question of, after like nearly two decades. Yeah. Anyways, so it's Kevin Undergaro hosting it along with After Buzzer co-hosts Roxy Stryer and Ashley Daniels. I love those girls and many more for all the insanity. So watch. Live Monday and Thursday nights, 7 to 9, that's Pacific time, on thetomorrowshow.com. So it's just literally thetomorrowshow.com. Or subscribe and download free on iTunes. Go to thetomorrowshow.com for more information. I'm really interested to, uh, uh, to, to see what they've got going on over there and uh, to hear about poor Kevin's midlife crisis. All righty. So... Moving on to this big story about Judge Judy being sued. Well, it's kind of, sort of, maybe, not really. It's not really Judge Judy herself being sued. But before we get into this story about the lawsuit surrounding her, we got to talk about her salary, which will help provide some background into the case itself. All right. Did you know, Judge Judy, $47 million a year. I believe she's the highest paid person on TV. I mean, oh my God. And people are like, well, besides Oprah. But Oprah owns all of her stuff. So it's a different situation. Yeah, exactly. I think she's the highest paid woman on TV. Yeah, so I saw, like, here's just to give you an idea about other people in the non scripted television uh, industry, I guess we can call it. So David Letterman got $28 million a year. Jay Leno is getting twenty-five, and Conan O'Brien was getting $10 million. So $47 million is Beyond. jaw-dropping. Yeah. Uh, and this salary was apparently grossly, I don't know what to call it, overreaching, mm. uh, according to the talent agent who initially discovered and put together the show that became Judge Judy. So he's suing over this. Why? Well, you know, they signed a contract um, before um, the program had the success and took off and was developed. And he kind of was, to some degree, instrumental in that. But he'd only met um, Judge Judy, I guess, for a couple hours. But they signed this agreement that allowed for him to get 5% of the profits. Right. Of the net profits. And that is the big turning, like, the key word here. A lot of deals in Hollywood are dependent on a percentage of profits. And the question is, is it net or is it gross? Exactly. Uh, uh, most mm. people would want a percentage of the gross profits. That means the money that comes in just without any of the expenses being deducted 
because a good accountant can up all the expenses, and so the net that you're left with it is... It be very little. And in this case, uh, CBS, which owns her show, uh, is claiming that it runs an, an, a loss of like three-some-odd million dollars mm -hmm. a year. How does that happen? She's paid $47 million, yeah. and CBS is running <laughs> this at a loss. doesn't quite make sense, and that's the, the claim by this agent who said, I found her. I discovered her. We had this deal. I was supposed to get 5%, and I was paid that 5% up until 2010. He had gotten... 17 million, roughly not, 17 Not bad. Million. Yeah. Not bad for two hours worth of work. And yeah. that's what Judge Judy points out. She's yeah. like, this guy's made $8.5 million a year, I mean, an hour, hour. for <clears throat> something he quickly put together and then never touched again. He's been completely, not MIA because he wasn't supposed to be involved in the rest, yeah. but he hasn't had any relationship with Judge Judy or the show on an ongoing basis and has just amassed this $17 million and while we all might feel not great about that, um, as Judge Judy knows, that that's not a great argument as to for a breach of contract. Yeah, I was kind of surprised <laughs> that she would go a kind of emotional this, route versus this, a very legal route. Yeah. Uh, so I think that the agent has a good case. Yeah, that her salary was doubled um, in '09, um, and it ate up all the profits. It almost seems like they did that on purpose to not pay out whomever they had to pay out. Right. So I think that if they can show that they doubled the salary in good faith, but they, that's going to be really hard. What? How are they going to compare that? I've heard comments on, heard comments, seen comments online where like, well, Judge Judy's uh, ratings are so much higher than all the other people that I listed, like the late night type people, mm. that that should justify it. But that the ratings alone don't. It's about the revenue that came in from the advertisements that were sold uh, through the show. So, And, of course, I, if there was any plan to do that, there might be a paper trail, and that will come out in Discovery, and so we'll see where this goes. Yeah. Uh, but, man, I want to discover somebody like Judge Judy. Oh, my gosh, yeah. That's just a, well, once-in-a-lifetime kind Ooh. of luck, right? Man. All right. Um, so we'll keep you uh, posted on that this is uh, rebel entertainment was the the company for the that agent yeah richard lawrence right uh, yeah and the, and so the, judge judy herself is not being sued it's basically cbs yeah. and the sort of branch off companies that are related to the show uh, all right so now we're making like a massive turn in the tone of uh, what we're talking about uh, we're talking about now the massive or the plans for a massive overhaul in Ferguson yeah. so Ferguson Missouri was obviously the city where Michael Brown was killed by Darren Wilson back in 2014 can't believe it was that long ago and the Department of Justice investigated and came out with a report that found like systematic racism, mm -hmm. found that the police department was acting much more like a for-profit industry almost than a, a law enforcement agency. They were giving out uh, tickets and highly, uh, how do I say this, high, statistically high for, you know, African Americans, minorities, people that uh, couldn't pay for these and then those you know, tickets would accumulate and would get people in really terrible situations yeah. uh, over silly infractions. And they were viewing the population as all potential offenders versus as people that they were there to protect and serve. Yeah, there were racist emails that went around mm -hmm. through the police department. So, um, so after the DOJ found this, then the next order of business is to come up with a plan yeah. that would be implemented in Ferguson to overcome the, I don't think it's 
too much to call them like atrocities that yeah. they that had been found. Uh, and, and so it looks like we're just almost moments away from a deal being signed. It just needs a judge's signature to approve it. But it's already been approved by the lawmakers. Yeah. Right. So the city council in Ferguson has uh, unanimously agreed to it. Yeah. And so what happens is they put together this plan, and then there's like a third-party organization that enforces it. And this is a legally enforceable uh, uh, contract, basically. Yeah, so it's not just like these are some suggestions of what to do, recommendations. This yeah. is not sort of light and easy. Like Ferguson can't accept to take it and then just sort of be like, whatever. It, they have to take it very seriously. They'll be overseen for at least five years to see if they properly implement it. Um, did you see anything in the plan that you were particularly uh, hopeful Oh well, yeah, for, absolutely. Or absolutely. Basically, when they talk about more training and more, um, more funding for the training and um, get, training these police officers in tactics to deal with the communities surrounding them and uh, surrounding them, and not looking at the, everyone as a potential offender. Uh, I think when they take that approach, you're already setting yourself up for a, um, a combative, um, a combative sort of attitude in, in that city. Yeah, absolutely. This this starts from the very beginning. The the mindset and the training to see somebody as a potential suspect rather than a citizen or member of the community first. So definitely the training is helpful. And there was a big deal made about the cost of the training and there were kind of like too bad if it's going to cost you money. Yeah. You know, you you got to do It's in the best interest of the people in their lives. And then the other thing that I saw in there that was really interesting to me is that they're actually going to remove laws that have this sort of biased effect or that would allow the officers to intrude upon people's lives unnecessarily. So, for example, there was this, this law that you have to cross a road at a crossing at a right angle, like the way, so you walk through a crosswalk and you have to like perfectly walk through it. You can't sort of cut the edge of the uh, crosswalk and go out of it. So silly little things like that. that Which are often pretext for stops. Pretty much everybody does. Yeah. I know that I do it sometimes. Uh, that would be enough for an officer to stop you and if they want to give you some sort of citation for being out of the crosswalk or mm -hmm. something like that. Uh, there was something else. Oh, manner of walking along roadway. Apparently there was a law about the manner in which you walk along the road. So things like that that were basically used as police office, by police officers as sort of any reason to bother somebody yeah. are being removed. And so hopefully that will help. I, I don't even know. How is it that those came to be? I mean, I guess maybe public safety. You want people to stay in the crosswalks. But... Uh, they were being abused, and so the, the law itself is just being extracted mm -hmm. from their books. Um, what else did I like in here? There. Oh, did you know that bef that as of like right now, there's no real accountability system for police officers who do something wrong, and this plan actually puts one in place. Uh, I know, other than the internal. Yeah. Okay. So there, there was something. What, whatever held p police officers responsible up to this point was very flimsy, to say the least. And so now there's actually going to be something that's really aimed at accountability and that if officers lie, cover up, that they'll and, be fired for it. And that's always a concern when you have uh, a body that polices itself. You know, they have their internal affairs division. And so when you police yourself, it can go either way. And 
you tend to want to police yourself and everyone's best interest, and that's not always in the best interest of the community. Right. All right. So the uh, you know um, law enforcement is going to engage with community groups and try and you know make better relationships with the community. We will see how this goes. Ferguson is hoping that they will serve as a model for other communities, small, mid-sized uh, communities that face similar problems. Uh, and this might be needed in the state of uh, South Carolina, where we just saw a, tr uh, a state trooper plead guilty to shooting an unarmed black man. We're going to um, talk about this case in depth. But first, we're going to watch the video, which, I mean, beware, it's... Yeah. Graphics. So Officer Sean Grabert and the victim LeVar Jones. So what we're seeing here is the dash cam uh, looking into a gas station. This is such a heartbreaking video. The guy is shot and apologizing. All right, thank you for rolling that, that video. This guy, LeVar, he survived. Yeah, thankfully. Um, settled with the city for something under like 300000 I thought it was like 285 yeah, something like that. Uh, completely unjustifiable shooting. Uh, the guy leaned back into his car to get the, his license. That the officer told him, you know. And the, the officer apparently thought he was diving in to grab Dove a gun. head first, yeah. Uh, he was, you know, unarmed. I mean, this is... And the poor guy, when this first happened, this video didn't come out for like two weeks. Yeah. And the guy was trying to tell people what had happened to him, and people were, did not believe him, said that it is impossible for an officer to shoot somebody for just no reason at all. And so luckily for the guy, there was this dash cam video that was discovered that showed he was right all along. And I think I'm, of all the shootings, um, this one is maybe among the most offensive. And it's scary because it, it I mean, he pulled you, it happened to anybody. You're just getting pulled over in your car. And I think that happens when you view um, certain people, certain members of the population as potential offenders. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, I, I can't for the life of me come up with some, I didn't see anything, can't think of any w way that would possibly understand yeah why the officer shot him. So he shot him like four times. He got hit yeah. in the hip. Um, but he uh, lived and limped into court mm -hmm. to see the officer plead guilty. Uh, he pled guilty to an assault charge. And battery of a high and aggravated nature. Which means that this is a felony. Yeah. And that is, at, you know, it seems like really assault and battery, that's it. But this is probably... 
actually justice in yeah. this case. It's actually what the victim wanted. He was interviewed by Matt Lauer on the Today Show a couple of years ago, right after this happened, and he said he wanted the officer charged with a felony uh, because then, because of the um, Gun Control Act, he would no longer be able to have a gun, would not be able to be a police officer. Um, things of that nature. So uh, the officer faces up to 20 years in prison. Uh, do you think he'll get anything close to 20? I think something close with probation. So If he just gets probation, people will no, be no, I think No, I think he'll do some time, but I think he'll get on probation after that. So. All right. Uh, so I, in a, I guess this is, you know, justice was served here, yeah. I, 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 so I far. think. So <laughs> far, yeah. Uh, so, I, yeah, he pled guilty. There was no trial. He just um, pled guilty. And so we'll see how long he will serve. All right. Um, and then finally, a cops spraying pepper spray to pass passing by motorists what I what's going on here well yeah so it's officer Figaro and we we got this footage that went viral and what he, there's something called the move over law so if you're a biker and the officer was making a stop and if you're a biker when you see an officer making a stop it's your duty to go over to the next lane one lane over or if you are unable to do that to reduce your speed by um, 20 20 so is this for just bikers, or is this for people driving cars, too? I thought it was for everybody. And I thought this law applies in all 50 states. Yes. For, for me, this was kind of common sense, and I had done this, but I, I didn't actually and know it was, it was a, a law, law yeah. that it was on all 50 states. So, yeah. So if an officer has pulled somebody over, you see emergency vehicles in the emergency lane, and you're in the slow lane, you have to move over if there's another lane available. Or... Or you have to slow down by 20 miles per hour under the speed limit. So literally, if you're going 25 miles an hour down the road and you see an officer pulled off to the side pulling somebody over, you have to slow down to 5 miles per hour. Or you run the risk of violating this law that is in all 50 states. Exactly. And so what this officer decided to do as you know these bikers were passing by, they didn't appear to be adhering to the move over law. And he pulled out pepper spray and sprayed them as they're riding. Let's watch the, the video. Footage, yeah. yeah. So this video is fast, but this then they slow it way down. You can see exactly that the officer gets out of the car holding something and then starts to just spray indiscriminately. This officer was fired, right? Yeah. Okay, thank goodness. Um, I don't oh, know of any injuries. He, he, he's on administrative um, leave right now, so he's not fired officially. He's on administrative leave pending investigation, though I don't know what more to investigate. <laughs> right. So... Criminal charges are, I mean, should, should he face any? Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is, it's similar to the officer in the other case, um, Grabert, where it looks like it's an assault and battery of, I would say, a high, uh, of a high aggravated nature. Yeah, so you're, you're pepper spraying people as they're driving down the road. That could lead to a loss of life. You know, if someone had died because of that, he's, you know, he's up for manslaughter. Clearly, I think this is felony territory yeah. of uh, some kind. Really, really dangerous. I... 
would love to hear his explanation. And the danger, the harm. I mean, someone could have died because of what he was doing. I don't understand it really at all. This was um, in Texas, around Fort Worth. Yeah, Fort Worth. Um, Texas surprises me a lot. Here's one more example (laughs) of Texas doing something that makes me go, what? Uh, Yeah, so we'll see if he gets um, some kind of assault charge. Yeah, I'm... The, the video is so flagrant. Yeah, I'm certain. Um, of a of a weapon. Yeah, I, the administrative leave surprised me. I thought he would be kind of fired, fired right somehow. away. Yeah. I because it's definitely not in any police mm. protocol to just start pepper spraying oh, oh. people, even if they're violating the law. Like those motorists might have been in violation of that move over law because they hadn't moved over. They were in the slow lane, but you give people a ticket, you don't pepper spray yeah, them. Exactly. Okay, so, wow. Um, I don't know what else to say, but wow. Uh, But that and um, join us again next week for another episode (laughs) of Justice is Served. Thank you so much, Shaka. Uh, If you want to reach us, share your wow or you're not so wow, not surprised by this, please tweet me at Chelsea Galicia and Shaka Smith. At Shaka Strong. And be sure to download us on iTunes. Give us five stars. um, Rate us, tweet us, comment on YouTube. Just uh, give us your feedback. And come back next week. See you guys. Bye. executives Kevin Undergaro, Dario Christian, Tiana Hobson, and the entire BHL staff, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us, info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I am the official voice of Black Hollywood Live, Scipio, Instagram me, at KingXOBay. Thanks for tuning in. Hollywood Redefined. The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.